0: radical idea. We'll cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the streams. <laughs> Hello once again, everybody. Welcome back to Crossing Streams, with kind connection of- podcast out of san diego california craig elston with you for episode number 239 this is a very special episode you've probably heard if you've gotten to the end of the last couple me talking about drops of god saying i watched this show and that i was looking for somebody to talk to for this show and then at the uh, locals uh parking lot prior to uh San Diego Loyal's last uh, regular season home match. I ran into my friend Andrew Dyer. Says, "When are you going to have me on the show?" I said, "Have you watched Drops of God?" He said, "I'm going to bring you a shot and move to Pape and let's talk about it." And guess what? From Jackson Park, live in La Mesa. Here's Andrew Dyer. Hey,
1: thanks so much for having me on. Finally, you know, I wanted to come on and 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 you know talk negative about all the shows I don't like, like Ted Lasso and all the Disney Star Wars. But you've got you've got people. For those episodes, and so uh, I'm excited to talk about Drops of God because it's a show that I enjoyed. Right. So I don't get, I don't have to be negative. It's it's really good, and we get to talk about something else I really enjoy, which is of course wine. Uh, The show is all about wine, um, and it's told in a the storytelling is done in such a way that you know you don't have to be uh, an enophile or whatever to to really enjoy it and get a lot out of it.
0: I I loved it. I found Andrew. We're here to talk about it. I want to be clear. He didn't bribe his way on the show with the bottle of wine. He bribed his way on the show with the positivity about Drops of God. I've been dying to have somebody to talk to uh, about this show. And, And just as a point of entry, actually, it's a very different time for this podcast. Normally we're like in high gear right now, how many shows do I need to knock out between now and December? Lydia and I have the ratings coming out at the end of the year. Top 20. you know, Bulges out to a top 25. But man, it's all quiet on the Western Front. Because obviously between the, the writers' strike and the actors' strike, there's not a lot in the fall pipeline right now. Anything that's here was made prior to. So instead of getting the rush, we're getting dribs and drabs. Now, each it, of the last it's bleak out
1: there yeah it really is
0: I mean it's it's reality TV or, or game shows wherever you look um, but
1: I mean that's just a, that's just the max app um, they, really, <laughs> they really ruined that that app uh, an app that wasn't broken yeah but now you, you go on and like it's just reality central and you have to like navigate your way to the real HBO and it's it's very frustrating
0: it's a hidden button oh you want HBO stuff? You click it and it says, are you sure? Naked and Afraid, new season out now. Uh, But so here's the flip, though. Each of the last couple, three years, every streamer slash every network has put out all their best shows in April and May, trying to get them inside the Emmy window. And in doing so, everything gets flooded and it's impossible, and all these shows just fly past you as you're just trying to grab on to anything you can in the torrent. And as such, there's some great shows that came out, didn't get publicized because, hey, you've only got so much bandwidth to publicize everything, and we've got, you know, Oscar award winner this and that on Apple TV Plus for various series and and, and movies. So a show like Drops of God kind of just came and went. On Apple TV Plus. And maybe it got a story in Vulture here or a story in Hollywood Reporter there. But for the general streaming public, you could maybe be just learning about this show by the title of the podcast. And that's why I feel like we've still got room to operate, Andrew, even with a show, with, uh, a podcast like this with not much coming out, because there's plenty that came out that we probably never even got to back in March.
1: That's the whole thing with streaming is that you'll find out about the show weeks or months later. I was, you know, I watched this when it came out. And uh, so to prepare for the podcast, I was like, oh, I better kind of do a little refresher, you know. And I found a bunch of reviews from April. April whenever it came out and they were all really positive so this was was a critically acclaimed show when it came out it's just um you know because you're fighting for attention in this you know attention economy that you know it's just uh, i haven't heard a lot of people talking about it and so um i'm glad that we get to talk about it and hopefully uh the conversation gets other people to uh to check it out
0: so here's what's going to happen uh at the very beginning Uh, I think Andrew and I are just going to talk in a very general sense about Drops of God. So if you haven't watched the show, I invite you to stay tuned for the next segment, where hopefully we'll pique your interest enough to get you to press play. Then we'll go through what I would call, and just like what we did with Ken last episode, kind of the good, the bad, and the middling. uh, I don't think there's a lot bad, uh, to be honest, about Drops of God. There's a lot under my good list, but we'll go through that, and within that, There will be spoilers, there will be reactions, including to the season finale, including to the conclusion of the show. So we will expect you to either have watched at that point or to not care enough to be spoiled, which is always an option. Look, I do it all the time. So let's start out. We're just talking about what is Drops of God. And on the most basic level, it's an eight-episode, self-contained, limited series. It's not going to be Drops of God 2, Electric Boogaloo. You know, nothing like that is coming down the line. uh, No
1: extended Drops of God universe. Correct. I mean... (laughs) No resurrecting characters. No no snap. No nothing.
0: We don't believe that any of that will be the case. Uh, There was a Japanese manga, a comic book, essentially... Uh, that ran for about a dozen years. 44 books long. Called Drops of God. Which uh, is literally. Considered to be. Based on you know my extensive. Uh, Wikipedia research. Uh, to have helped. Burnish the wine industry. Both in France. And in Japan especially. To help bring wine more into the popular. Consciousness. Uh, this. Is a very loose adaptation of the manga, uh, including turning the main character from a Japanese man to a French woman, <laughs> which is,
1: you know, oh. which for TV worked. I, I I I understand why that choice was made. Hundred percent. Um, but
0: that's where it came from. So it's it is IP that's been mined, but it's something that's completely out of the realm of what you would expect. And I think this show. Like a wonderful Chateauneuf de Pape has so many different ingredients that make it special. The first thing for me, and this is something that I gushed about a couple of years ago with Zero Zero Zero, is its internationality. Right? This show is shot in France, it's shot in Japan, it's shot in Italy, it's not on a sound stage. it's not always interiors in Vancouver made to look to be something else. It's actually on location. It's people speaking these languages, people speaking their own language. And in fact, multilingual uh, players and characters become part of the plot of the show. At key points, the ability to switch from French to Japanese in a conversation uh, becomes uh, important. So I love the feel of it. I love the, the almost lushness of it. And then again, when you talk about ingredients, you've got... The multinationality, you've got a crazy contest. Who doesn't love a crazy contest? With rules you don't understand and multiple rounds, you've got a puzzle box. Who's doing this and why? What's everyone's relationship to one another? And you've got a woman who seemingly has a superpower. Something that is above what a normal human can do. In this case, it's her sense of smell and taste. It's her palate. And that reminded me of Queen's Gambit. In terms of the Anya Taylor Joy character and her ability to see chess moves in, 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 into the Very future,
1: reminiscent of that like style of character that um, that genre. But to me, um, you mentioned the internationality of it. The whole series has this underlying kind of spirituality that you kind of connect with the romanticized version of the wine industry. Where they're in vineyards, they're on like these farms, these rustic French farms, the the um, these restaurants with some of the airs, and just uh, it, it really kind of brings you into that world and then tells you a story that's kind of familiar so that you kind of feel comfortable in that world.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all of that adds up to a delicious mix, a show that's fun. And, you know, as I'll talk about momentarily, I think fairly propulsive gets you from one place to the next. It moves along, except for maybe a tiny sag in the middle. It, it moves along very well. It's
1: like a perfect weekend stream. Like, you can start it. If you're not doing anything on the weekend, you got a couple days off. Like, it's very easy to just, over a Saturday and Sunday, stream the whole series. And it's it's very satisfying.
0: I also found the two leads, who aren't extremely well-known in the United States, to both be compelling. Uh, Camille uh, Camille Léger, the uh, young French woman, what, late 20s probably, uh, who is the daughter of Alexander Léger in this world, the world's most renowned wine critic, author of the Léger Wine Guides, which is like the Michelin star guides for restaurants, uh has every vineyard in his hands in terms of one recommendation can make or break them
1: kind of maybe loosely based on uh robert parker the the parker guide that's the uh the wine critic who kind of invented this 100 point scale that mm-hmm. everybody adopted and has been either credited or blamed for uh the modern wine industry because so much of it is kind of uh, built around his palate and his preferences, so yeah. as he was scoring wines, you know, especially like in in Napa Valley, and he likes a certain style of cab, and so those are all getting hundred points, ninety nine points, and uh, you know had a huge impact on the wine industry. And this character, the the father, uh, I think, really parallels the, the the Parker,
0: and he becomes a character via flashback. Uh, on the show very much as well. Uh, so Fleur Geffrier uh, plays Camille, and I think she's terrific. Uh, redhead brings the emotionality to the character, that, that little bit of fire, a little bit of uh, a spark. Uh, and then uh, Tomohisa Yamashita plays Issei Tomine, uh, the Japanese... Uh, uh, he works out protégé, pardon me, Japanese protégé of Leger, has trained under Leger. Uh, is his number one, essentially, uh, but comes from a family of diamonds, uh, diamond ears uh, and comes from great institutional wealth and is essentially being thought of as slumming, working in the wine business as something that should be considered well below him. Uh, I've gone on to watch another series that stars tomohisa yamashita uh and now i've also gone to find out that he is a giant pop star in japan that he has you know multiple records um that he's a television host so he's a, a big time they would star. call him an idol exactly exactly so he's he's a big time star but plays uh for him a very reserved role and one that uh frankly it took me a couple three episodes i think andrew to warm up to but once the show kind of opens up the Issei character like an onion, that's to me where it really takes off.
1: Yeah, he is—he's just a very Japanese character. So um, his family is very Japanese. It's you really do get that uh, sense of culture. Um, a, a lot of very reserved, and not you know, not going to show all of his emotions on his sleeve, unlike the other character who is uh, you know dealing with some trauma and that becomes kind of a key plot point but the then, so the show opens with him doing like a blind tasting and that's kind of what what hooks you is that you know he's just in this room and he tastes the wine and he 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 names the the winery the the winemaker the the location the the year that it was made and it kind of drops you there and then you get into the flashback zone and stuff. But he's the first character that we're introduced to.
0: And through that, right, we we start to get this look into the world of wine. And the conceit of the pilot, uh, again, in this area, before we get into more reactions and spoilers, is that Camille is called from France uh, to Japan by her father. They are deeply estranged. Who who
1: lives in Japan? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) The father is, is a French a French winemaker who relocated to Japan and has this protege who's been working with him. He's estranged from his daughter and he dies.
0: Yeah. By the time she lands, he's dead. So farewell, Alexander. We'll see you in plenty, plenty of flashbacks over the course of, of the eight episodes, but dead uh, in in the timeline of the show Uh, next day, reading of the will. And it is, Weird For Camille to show up and find Issei Tomine at the reading of the will. What's he doing here? He's not family, but he's mentioned in the will because the will is not a traditional will. It is a contest, Uh, both his multimillion dollar estate, but far more importantly, his collection of of uh, hundreds of bottles of wine uh, worth over $150 million, uh, the most prestigious, extensive uh, wine collection in the world. Uh, All of this will be given to one or the other of the two, uh, whoever is able to come out on top in a series of three tasting contests, uh, which can go uh, from... The simple to the completely absolutely crazy. And and that's the conceit of the show is you've got. Oh, but we should mention one more thing. Camille at the beginning of the show can literally not taste wine because she has had childhood trauma, which is explained and then resolved in two episodes quite neatly. I'd say Um which at the beginning, if she even has alcohol touch her lips, she immediately gets a torrential nosebleed and basically keels over. This is
1: like the, the mangafication of the story, right? Correct. Because it is kind of this, you know, you have to kind of get through a what to me was kind of a painful plot point. Because, you know, nobody is getting nosebleeds by tasting alcohol. <laughs> it's really funny. But, you know, keeping in mind that the story comes from, you know, a manga and, you know... You kind of have to give it a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of space on the edges to be weird.
0: And that's exactly right. Like, if you didn't know it was manga, I think those two episodes... Like, that didn't even make my list of good, bad, or mid. Because it's just a thing. It's like a really funny thing at the beginning. But you can completely see it on the page of the comic book, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, And the, the thing about it is which they show us in flashbacks is that as a child her father was making her gather like stones and dirt and grass and identify scents like you know she he had i guess they were oils or whatever making her identify scents kind of training her palate as a child for wine tasting which another one of those comic book like uh plot points right where I don't think even the most enthusiastic uh, winemaker is uh, blindfolding their seven-year-old and making them identify (laughs) scents. But it does—it's that that superpower thing, right? They're establishing like where she gets her powers, and she is able to identify uh, wines by taste. This exceedingly rare and this skill that people do study for, and they have to study very intensely to be able to do this sort of thing and uh it it establishes the the origin story of of our
0: superhero exactly uh with those basics we're getting we're gonna get now into the good and the mid and the maybe not so good of drops of god um so just understand any potential spoiler that comes forward it's on you not me okay uh I just loved the velocity of this show, and sometimes when you adapt something from a comic book, you know, manga. Even though this is forty-four books, not, you know, a six-issue series, moody. right? Um, you're gonna have some challenges, and I think the challenges were resolved extremely well with Drops of God. You've got those feelings of of some crazy stuff that you're asked to believe. Essentially, her abilities. You are shown it in a spectacular fashion. And again, that's what makes me think of Queen's Gambit is taking the mind. Uh, Another one I put in the notes was Sherlock, right? Where when Benedict Cumberbatch goes in his mind palace, he can figure things out. And literally, there are scenes where Camille is in her mind palace trying to figure out a scent or a vintage. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love... Those it's representations. through the
1: uh, uh, wine cellar with all these bottles, and she and like it's just her mind is just all of these
0: wine bottles,
1: and she's trying to pick
0: the right one. It's 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 delightful. It's really visually uh, stimulating, and within that, I felt like this show at eight episodes was really well paced through. You've got the undergirding structure of the contest, so we're going to have you know the first tasting the second the third and you get all the things you love with with shows like this the team right camille gets a team so now you meet the team members and like the
1: the rocky montage of her training to be able to taste wine again without no without the nosebleed exactly
0: you know her friend the the one that's italian that they go to italy and he's helping translate for her you you've got those Wonderful, warm, kind of one flavor, one color supporting characters, but they're there to balance the palette, and and are all enjoyable. You've got the, the movement. We got to get to one. Okay, well now you're zero and one. Well now you're one and one. You know, and who's going to win? That is holding. But then within that, within the undergirding of that structure, you get the revelation of Isay's character. You get to find out more about Camille Leger's backstory is explained. And through that you get the backstory of Issei's mother and how she plays into this because she's shown originally as essentially a trope, overly strict Japanese mother. You're, you know, shaming our family, blah, blah, blah. And then
1: it turns out, you know, it's actually a very deep and deeply wounded character that you really, I think sympathize with by the end of the series.
0: You really do. Um, so I really, I really liked all of those aspects, uh, especially right, right off the top of this show.
1: Yeah, th- they do a good job in. You know, it, it, it's it's really difficult. There's been other you know popular media about or tangentially related to wine. You know, there was the movie Sideways, which mm-hmm. is really good, um, and really you know affected the wine industry as well. Um, it really damaged uh, Merlot. Yeah,
0: well, we were going to drink Merlot, but we're not drinking fucking Merlot, so...
1: Um, but then there's been some some other misses. I, I think Bottle Shock could have been a lot better, but, you know, if you're, like, a wine person and you're looking for some kind of entertainment, you know, in that world, there's not a lot of good stuff out there. And uh, I think this one is one that
0: people would will enjoy. Uh, the contrast between Camille and Issei is fairly classical, and honestly, that's kind of what I like about this show, is there's a lot about the show that's very classical, we've got the contest, there's going to be a resolution to that, we've got two characters who are in some ways images of one another, but in other ways are direct contrast to one another, Camille is fiery, she's emotional, she'll feel wounded, You know, she'll, she'll get upset, Issei is always just... You know, Vulcan is the
1: Ivan Drago to her Rocky.
0: That's exactly right. And she hates him at certain points. He doesn't understand her and doesn't know why she's even there. Um, and you can see, and I think the show does a good job, Andrew, of showing you both of those perspectives. From Issei's perspective, why would she be there? She's kind of an imposter from the outside. From her perspective, it's the Leger name and legacy. Who are you? You know, this is my father's thing. Why am I having to compete for what my father wants to give to me? Um, and, and besides, do I even want to be a part of any of this? Never mind all of it. Um, that's driven through with another character, Luca, who is portrayed as the dear friend and working companion of Lege- of Alexander Leger, who is then going to be Camille's kind of the point person for her team, her victory team. Uh, but it turns out over the course of the show that he's got his own much more base motives, which is to maintain/slash take over the Leger Guide and keep the money uh, spit running.
1: Well, you got to have a villain, right? You can't just because you're gonna you're gonna resolve these two characters at some point. You know, he, he's not gonna you he say he's not gonna remain the bad guy uh, for very long. Right. So you, you definitely need a villain, and uh, I think he he fills that role really well.
0: Uh, I thought the contests were all good, right? Contest one is a taste test, right? Just figure out what is this wine uh, and she doesn't even get to taste it. Uh, There's there's one tasting and then there's going to be like what, a month that passes and then they'll have a second opportunity and they give the answer. Well, at that point, the Class explodes in her hand because she can't even take any of this her brain's freaking out she gets a sniff and like her mental palace is in chaos the windows are flying open everything's gone cattywampus uh and and through all of that and, and through all of those flourishes uh you get to contest one contest two now you're dealing with a still life painting what does this mean? Still life three or uh, contest three, chateauneuf de Pape. Can can you recreate uh, this wine which is what a blend of thirteen different wines?
1: So yeah, um and we can talk about chateauneuf de Pope. It's got it's, so it's Pop,
0: not Pape? Yeah, yeah. Pop. okay, okay. Sorry. So the reason
1: Pop. and it's 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 because uh, you know, in whatever century it was, uh, a Pope actually moved the headquarters of the Catholic Church to Avignon in France, in the south of France and um so this is literally chateauneuf like the castle of the pope right mm. and so this region in the southern rhone uh it, it, it's you know the chateauneuf-du-pap is a very specific region in the south of france um now every southern rhone wine is, is kind of made with the same 14 grapes that go into chateauneuf-du-pap it's it's mostly uh grenache and syrah but there's a bunch of other ones that go in there and, um, but only in a certain area is allowed to be called Chateauneuf-de-Pape. And the thing about these wines is that it could be a hundred percent Grenache
0: hmm.
1: or it could be, you know, 5% Grenache and, and they have the other grapes in there uh, at different percentages. So the only rule is that these are the, the, I think it's 13, 13 grapes that you can use, uh, in, in the wine. So um, that that final contest where they have to recreate a certain vintage um, of some you know uh, winemaker's chateau de pop is such a great kind of geeky like a wine geek type of a contest yeah. because it's ridiculous like to, to imagine that you're going to recreate a blend of like thirteen grapes you have no idea what percentage is. you're just going to keep by trial and error mixing your percentages up to to get it right um but it it just you know by the time you get to that part of the show like if you make it that far you're already in the world and you've already accepted everything that all the ridiculousness of right. it and if you if you do that it is it is really enjoyable and you know geeking out on on those those sort of details is part of what is like appealing like to me, uh, for a show like this is when you get details, right. And, um, there are a lot of little details throughout the show, like how wine is served, why it's done this way. Why, why does the waiter pour a little bit in your glass? You know, why all of the little details about service and about the presentation and the winemaking, it's all, it's all in there and it's all accurate.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but I really loved how this show winds up exploring different cultures' attitudes toward things such as birthright, such as legacy, uh, also just what, where your passions can go versus where your maybe obligations could take you, and and what's the French way of looking at that, and maybe what's the Japanese way of looking at that? How can they be similar in some in some ways? How do they differ? so deeply. I, I thought that was where this show caught a, a great vibe where it could go a little bit beyond plot into some more meta thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, uh I'm sorry the the dogs know, We
0: right. just had a nice uh Hey well you know they yeah, wanted some shot if to pop as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Um and just wrapping up my the good takes you right to the end. Right? We get a a win, a loss, and a tie through the three (laughs) contests. It's going to take you to a a 1 1 1 tiebreaker. And without, you know, just completely spelling uh, out every plot point into the show, I thought you wound up with a pretty balanced out. Because there are ways that this show lands that feel clunky, right? If Camille just wins, then well, is that even really fair? You know, like, she's completely out of this. Well, I
1: mean, the biggest spoiler is Issei is her brother. Right. So it is not fair that one child is preferred over the other. And the final contest is one that is rigged in her favor. Yeah. um, Because it's a memory, it's based on a memory that only she
0: would have with her dad. Right. So it's unfair. And
1: it, I thought that it was, you know, you don't, you don't get resolutions that are satisfying in a lot of shows but to me this one really was you do kind of get a a happy ending a good resolution and um you know they kind of outwit their diabolical father's like evil plan you know and it it is it is a really satisfying way
0: to to end it i agree i i thought because, like, really, just, like, sussing it out. I'm like, if, if Camille wins, it's not great. If Issei wins, it's not great. And a tie seems cheap, right? It seems like the easy way out. But the way they created this with a way for Camille to win that's unfair. Okay. Like, okay, that's balanced. You know what I mean? That gives Issei his credibility. It gives Camille... Her opportunity to reflect upon the fact that the wind was tainted, um, and that of course leads to the resolution of uh, Issei getting a, two truckloads of <laughs> very expensive wine delivered to his apartment in the last scene. Not to
1: mention a fantastic scene in their father's wine cellar, where the the pair of them they know that it's tied and that they've got this. They're in this horrible predicament, and but they both like they both love wine and they both just sit there together going through their dad's collection and drinking what i imagine are the most expensive ridiculous bottles and just getting getting drunk together um are a really great scene
0: i i loved it um kind of transitioning to what was a little bit mid for me you brought it up uh you know Camille and Issei are brother and sister i enjoyed how all of that was revealed, especially through Issei's mother. I thought the backstory with Alexander Leger younger and Issei's mother was was solid um, and, and, and well portrayed. Them being brother, sister, it's, you know, it's fine. It, it solves a lot. It's the, nas- it's the nice twist, the big twist in the plot. But, you know, there's a little Luke Leia to it. You know,
1: sometimes shows like this that have a, one storyline you got story A and then you've got the B plot or whatever. Um, sometimes it's like, Oh gosh, we're back to these characters again. I want to go back to the main story and, and you kind of groan every time they go back to the flashback scenes. But in this case, those were great scenes too. You know, it, yeah. it starts, you know, they're in a, a tour, a wine tour in France and, uh, in like the, whatever the sixties or seventies. And then they're back in Japan and it, it it really does, you know, work in the grand scheme of the show. So, uh, the brother sister thing, a little contrived, but I I really just chalk that up to the grace that I'm giving the show, being adapted from a manga, right? Like I'm yeah. I'm giving it grace with the nosebleed thing, and I'm giving it grace with the the convention of the brother sister thing because um, it allowed it to resolve in a way that was satisfying, which. You're adapting a, a, a manga like a manga like this. You know, is probably one of the big challenges.
0: I think it was uh, a, a stretchiest of possible stretch to have Tomohisa Yamashita be half French, um, but he's just fair enough, and maybe has just high enough cheeks that you, like maybe you can squint at that and go, okay. I kind of thought that was. Uh, it was fine it was fine um much like camille's romance with uh, thomas it's fine very very french that we need to have a little bit of a relationship in here and we need to have his uh you know s- self battle with you know he's got his beautiful fiance but he's also got this attraction to camille and if, you know da, 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 like you know i mean we didn't have to have that
1: okay but how can you be in a vineyard, how can you live in a vineyard in a rustic French farmhouse and not fall in love? Like you have to have Right. It's right. such a romantic a romantic setting and you know, the whole the whole like aura of like the wine world, it's all about like this these romantic notions and this romance. And the show takes you to these places when you go to Italy and they're staying in the small little hostel or whatever with yeah. the the, the hotel owner and she turns out to of course be a winemaker who makes some extraordinary uh, rare wine um, but all of these locations it all kind of speaks to the romance of winemaking and the kind of agricultural uh, roots of winemaking and of course like the romance of, of France and and you know it, it, it's what makes it uh, work as a, as a TV show yeah, as opposed to a manga.
0: <laughs> well, that's precisely it, and and there are a couple of things that felt a little bit like tick the box. Apple TV Plus. We need more French production. Where's the romance? Let's have a little infidelity in here. Let's 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 get something in there. Um, I'm not mad at any of it, right? Just like yeah. Issei's parents' relationship, like the father is kind of put out there as a DNPC, is as, as, as a sympathetic character that. Uh, you know, just kind of wanders off to, to be found. I
1: will Issei's uh, romance storyline didn't work for me.
0: Yeah, with the reporter.
1: I don't, I so I don't like the, the reporter falling in love with their story subject trope. Yeah. Uh, this is a trope that exists across all media, and it's one of the most untrue things that you can imagine. Um, reporters don't typically fall in love with story subjects.
0: Yeah, especially um, beautiful the, young reporters. With the
1: frequency that they do uh, in in TV and, and movies. Um, now I will say, I say that, but I'm now thinking of like a couple of people that I know that actually,
0: actually that did kind of happen, but <laughs> the exception it's still a trope. It is. No, that's the thing. It's not that it, tropes come from truth, right? They're just then overdone, oversimplified and and hammered into shapes uh, that, that we can't recognize. Um, none of these things hurt for me. Um, if I any, you know, switching, from, we go from the good to the mid to the bad. I really, this was the longest segment in our Ahsoka episode. Me hammering Ken on one point after another that seemed nonsensical. Um, here, all I wrote was, uh, does Andrew have any notes? As well as, Luca was pretty silly as the heel. a Little bit hammily overacted and his heel turn was a little bit overcooked and a little gross you will never win because I am here you will never win you know like okay fine but like you said you need to have a heel it's eight episodes we can't just have them hate each other because they're going to wind up being brother and sister and have to find a commonality and respect so we need someone to stand in Luca stands in was there anything that bothered you about the show um I think it was
1: in the early episodes the first or second episode I can't remember I kind of at some point had to commit to see it through, right? Yeah, and I, I thought that that was worthwhile and ended up being rewarding. But I think that some of the 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 contortions that the plot takes in in the early episode, mostly with her, like because the thing is, is that you know that this is a show going into it about somebody who can identify wines by taste, tell you uh, not just where it's from or what type of wine it is, but who made it and, and, uh, what year this, this vintage came from. Um, so you already know that going in. And so to have to sit through like two episodes of her struggling with her nosebleed problem, you know, she's going to fix it. You right. Know? So it's, it's kind of like, you're like, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the good stuff. I want to see her identify some, some vintages. Let's go.
0: And that's very fair. And and like you said, they they just kind of had to get to her epiphany moment. Oh, it wasn't him. It was me. Now I can drink everything. I'm fine. (laughs) I did bump against that. Like the moments where now they're at a bar and she's just having a beer. I'm like, you've never done this. This isn't part of your life. You wouldn't just order a beer. You've ordered water your whole life. Are you, you know, but uh, that's fine. It's fine. It's no uh, bottom line for me. Drops of God's a ranked show. I I don't know where it's going to wind up, whether it's going to be 10th, 12th, 8th. I don't know. Um, But it's a ranked show for me. I really enjoyed this experience. I found it, like I said, to be tightly, nicely, neatly contained. Um, I love shows where the stakes aren't character going to die every two episodes or the universe or the multiverse is always at risk. You know, it's pretty cool that we've got an inheritance We've got a contest. It's it's straightforward. It's put together, very classical storytelling. You know, round one, round two, round three. Um, it's gonna hook you in. Once you get past your nosebleeds, you're gonna you're gonna f- see it through to episode eight, and you get to a, a very satisfying conclusion. So for me, it's everything I want. In a great show to give you, like you said, a weekend's diversion or a week's diversion.
1: It's really like a throwback streaming show in my mind because, you know, so much of what comes out now is serialized or you're in season. I don't know what season Stranger Things is in. But if you remember that first season of Stranger Things, it was never obvious that that show was going to have a second season. Right. And it was self-contained in that first season. And it was incredible. And one day you just opened Netflix and there was this show on your menu and you watch the first episode and it's got this music and it's got this vibe and it's got this look and this feel and it takes you into this world and like that's kind of like missing in the streaming world we live in now um and this show is one of those right it 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 takes you into another world and one that you know you want to be in you know for eight episodes and like you said low stakes but uh, a very unique experience compared to everything else that's out there. There's so much out there, and some of, so much of it is crap. Like, there's so much <laughs> crap on these streaming apps. I have all of them. And it's it's a nightmare trying to find something to watch. Uh, you know, once you get finished with one show, it's like, oh, shit, what are we going to watch now? Oh, my God. Let me spend the next three hours right. going through these menus um, and finding the next show. And this one is, you know, a no-brainer. It's one you can throw on, and you're going to enjoy it for however long it takes you to get through it. And it, it really is a—it's unlike everything else
0: that is out there. Well, it's getting dark, and we're about to wrap things up here. Uh, Jackson Park in La Mesa, where we've been drinking our Chateauneuf to pop and the cops have not come by— um, We were going to be at a local uh, winery, and then they told us we couldn't open the bottle, so then we came here, and I went and grabbed some wine glasses from the house, and my wife said, well, you're not really supposed to drink in the park either. I said, well, that's fine. We're still going to do it, and we're going to do the show, and it's going to be fine, and sure enough, it was. But we wrap up every show, Andrew, of Crossing Streams with a very simple, quick segment called What We're Watching, uh, which often sets the stage for future episodes, and it starts like this. Hey, Andrew, what you're watching?
1: Well, right now I'm watching... uh, I'm actually in the middle of playing Starfield right now, so all of my time is in this uh, the new RPG that's out, so I haven't been (laughs) watching a lot of streaming shows. Um, And that's also because... I'm kind of struggling to find something worth watching right now. Um, ever since uh, the uh, the Lakers show ended on HBO, that was the, kind of the last one that I was excited about. And it ended suddenly on us. Yeah. The uh, series finale that uh, was very unsatisfying. <laughs> very. And I look at the <laughs> landscape of the, the Max app and, and the options there. You know, we tried to watch... Uh, you know we don't watch reality shows, but I was like, well, let's try. Let's watch these, well, the one where they uh, they switch partners and experiment with being married or something. Oh and then God! The 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 Love Is Blind one. We tried to watch that, and it's all just it's all terrible. And yeah. they're like, okay, no, we're not going to watch this either. Um, so I tried to go the reality route. It didn't work for us. Um, I am actually, you know, right now I am getting back into foundation. Uh, I really liked the first season. When the second season came out, I was a little bit, uh, the first two episodes, like I kept falling asleep. So yeah. it's not a good uh, sign if you can't get through the episode of the show. But then again, maybe it's because I keep watching it late at night because my wife doesn't want to watch it. So there I, you she go. goes to yeah. sleep. Um, so Foundation, um, I've heard that the second season uh, gets a lot better. So uh, And also the second season of the uh, Wheel of Time
0: uh, My wife and I watched the season one together, and we just haven't been able to click uh, play on episode one. But she really enjoyed it. I started to read the book before I, I fell off because it's a gazillion pages long. But you're liking it so far, season two.
1: I haven't started season two yet. Yeah, um, I'm. I want to wait because I don't like waiting uh, a week between episodes. <laughs> I like to once this once I know it's done and yeah. I can just watch it. Um, then. I will I will do it. Uh, there's another show. Now I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I won't bring it up because if I can't remember the name of it. It's not worth... Fair. <laughs> not worth talking about.
0: Uh, well, on my side, uh, <laughs> in contrast to Andrew, I've been watching plenty of CBS reality. So uh, <laughs> uh, Survivor 45 is absolutely tremendous, but I'm a Survivor geek. So uh, it, taking it and extending it 150% means it's 150% better, in my opinion. Um My son has gotten into Big Brother, uh, which is the first year I've ever watched Big Brother. I I had managed to go 24 seasons of not watching Big Brother, but Big Brother 25 is on in our house. Um, getting through the amazing race as well, but catching up to that behind on streaming, um, we should have done a Reservation dog Season 3 podcast right now, and I'm the reason we haven't. Liddy's watched, she watched week by week, and originally I said I was stacking them up just like you said so I could binge them all. Now I have recognized in myself that I'm being precious, about reservation dogs it's one of my favorite shows of the last five years i know it's the last season and something is preventing me from clicking play because once i click play i'm going to finish it and then it's going to be done and i'll never have a new reservation dogs ever again and so i i recognize that this is not the proper podcast Procedure. This is not game theory optimal, and I should click play on Res Dogs, and I just haven't. And that's my weakness, and I'm sharing it with you so that hopefully I will break through and click play on Res Dogs. But episode 240 of Crossing Streams will be next week with Lady Larie about what might be my number one show of the year, number two, three. I don't know, Succession was this year. I got to remember. But The Gold on Paramount Plus. I love it. The season finale is Sunday, and Lydia and I will be on The Gold. I I recommended it two weeks ago on Ben & Woods, and I'm here to tell you about it. We talked about it on last week's show. The Gold is a six-episode BBC Co-Pro that uh, is airing on Paramount+, Plus, but it aired on BBC in February. And it is about uh, a real-life 1983 incident uh, in South London where six robbers robbed a Brink's Mat uh, safe, but stumbled into 26 million dollars of gold bullion that was there for one day that they didn't know was there they didn't like plan to rob this place to get the gold they planned to rob the place and then there's all this gold that's there and what um, so the first episode is a heist but what follows is very much akin to a british the wire in terms of Bad guys trying to launder gold, coppers trying to track the money, a wealthy uh, aristocrat played by Dominic Cooper who is laundering money through Switzerland and Liechtenstein, and the overarching look at how old money and new money interacts, how your your legacy of you grew up here so you can't be this uh, impacts someone to try and turn one way or another. I love this show. It's one of my favorite shows of the year, as with almost all BBC series. It's six episodes, so it's hot and spicy, coming at you fast. And uh, episode six is on Sunday, so I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check that one out.
0: It's a blast. And uh, you can listen to at least the first 15 minutes of next week's episode if you haven't uh, caught up all the way, Andrew. Awesome, thanks. (laughs) Well, hey, on the way out, let everyone know uh, where they can follow you, what you're up to, uh, anything you want to promote.
1: So yeah, um, I'm on Blue Sky Andrew Dyer uh, at at Blue Sky, whatever the uh, convention is on those accounts. Um, I am still on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, but I'm not very active there anymore. Um, and of course, uh, yeah, you can hear me and uh, read my stories on KPBS.org.
0: Absolutely. Uh, follow me on Instagram at six one nine Sports and Life. I still occasionally put out tweets at 619 sports on like you said Well, I, I refuse to to bend to elon's branding it's still twitter i still type twitter in it's so bad it still it is, works this
1: whole gaza uh this whole gaza israel war has just really ripped the scab off and really shown what a festering diseased infected rot is underneath the the surface of the new the new twitter God, and... you're not kidding
0: <laughs> it's so bad that's a different podcast it is indeed, <laughs> and this podcast has come to an end. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Drop us that five star review. Thank you for sticking with this show There's been fewer shows to review. Uh, we have not had the regularity that we would like and we've been coming out on the weekends, which isn't great for our SEO but nonetheless, we thank everyone who continues to support this show. I continue to do it purely as a passion project uh, the, the ten or fifteen bucks I get from those ads that you listen uh, that does not <laughs> doesn't do doesn't even buy a bottle of noof to pop so Uh, So thank you all We do this because we enjoy it And we do this more than anything Because of the feedback we get Of people who appreciate the show Appreciate the recommendations Appreciate the talk So we appreciate your appreciation And we'll appreciate it If you tune in next week Until then, so long